0: Now Jesus left that place and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many women and men who heard him were astounded, saying, where did this man learn this? And what wisdom has been given him? And such deeds of power work done by his hands, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended over him. Then Jesus said to them, prophets are not without honor except in their hometown, and among their own kin, and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there, except on a few sick people, laying hands and curing them. And Jesus was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went about among the villages teaching.
1: Amen. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jonah. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. And I'm your lead pastor here at Zao. It's so lovely to be with you this morning that uh, the song Matilda always gets me. It's this this incredible um, offering to someone who has built a new family, having been rejected by their family of origin. And we get really precious about family in our culture sometimes, perhaps not as precious as Jesus's culture. Family was huge. Um, in Jesus's culture. But when we talk about family in our culture here and now, it's usually relatively uncritical. It's usually sort of associated with nostalgia and sentimentality, especially um, when we get close to the holidays. Now, I know you might be saying, Jonah, it's mid-October. But uh, I once knew somebody who didn't wanna break up with their partner in August because they were like, but then I have to go by myself home for Christmas. This is how stressful it is for some of us to come back to families of origin who cannot see us and understand us for who we are. That stress of going home, of returning to the place that we left or that we grew out of or perhaps we fled. Too many of us, especially in this community, know what it means to feel unseen by families of origin, perhaps even rejected. We go home, whatever that means, to our hometown, to our family, to our friends. From some place that we've been before, we go home and we feel small again. Perhaps we are made to feel small, And if you feel alone in this, know that you are not. (laughs) And if you feel like this is some personal failing, hear this story from Jesus. Jesus had this experience, and it was detailed in the sixth chapter of Mark, what it meant for him, for Jesus, (laughs) to go home and be unseen. One of the things that we miss a little bit in this scripture is the sarcasm in the voice of his community. Oh, where did you learn how to do this? Who gave you this power? Aren't you Mary's kid? Don't I know you? Uh, There is a, a series called Unbound Queering the Bible that I was privileged enough to write for, and I actually wrote about Mark 6, and this is A collection of queer thinkers writers theologians giving their take on the gospel of Mark and I'd like to share an excerpt that I wrote on this passage the opening scene in the sixth chapter of Mark is one that too many of us find familiar Jesus having left home to discover who he is the call of God on his life the literally miraculous fullness of his being goes home. He returns to the synagogue. These are the friends and family and neighbors who taught him to be a person, the ones who raised him to love creation and the divine, to seek truth, holiness, and justice, but also the ones who always wished Jesus would be a little quieter, ask fewer questions, quit pushing so many boundaries. He begins to teach them. There are things he can teach now, things that had always been true but are now made newly manifest in his very person. Miracles coming to fruition in his own body, layers of meaning uncovered in holy stories, truths that had lived for years on the tip of his tongue, now ready to roll off into willing hearts. Many, had been healed or freed or radicalized by his teachings as he traveled, and now here he is back at home again. As he teaches, they are amazed, surprised, scandalized, repulsed, say some translations. They fall into the sin of disbelief. Who does this kid think he is, they sneer. He was Mary's kid, the one that might not even have a legitimate father. They had decided who he was long ago, and whether their image of him was good, bad, or neutral, they weren't about to let him redefine himself, especially not when he deigned to tell them about the scriptures, to teach them about holiness, to challenge them to question who they were. Too many of us know this story in the pit of our stomachs, the catch of our throats. Despite the structures that demand our performance of straightness, cisness, of the binary, we somehow found an out. We discovered closeness, connection, identity, and language for who we truly are. We find our true kin and we choose one another. And then we go home We try to explain the miracles we've experienced. Some are amazed, some merely surprised, some scandalized, some repulsed. They built those closets for us, and they won't let us so easily leave the wreckage. Who are we anyway to tell them what it means to be free, to be whole? That might require them to examine their surroundings, to see their role in our captivity, or worse, in their own. Too often, we are literally disbelieved. It's a phase, we hear. God doesn't make mistakes, someone says. There are only two genders, you hear someone grumble. We expend so much energy trying variously to convince, placate, or fight them. Perhaps we could simply find validation and rest in what Jesus says next. Prophets are honored everywhere except in their own hometowns, among their relatives, and in their own households. The scriptures say that he was unable to do miracles among them due to their disbelief. How many queer people, prophets, of a liberated future are stripped of their power by the sinful disbelief of their families of origin. This sin can be deadly, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Now though I wrote this passage for a querying of the scriptures, it's truth, the truth of this story applies to so many people. So many experiences of coming into wholeness and not being seen of coming into wholeness, coming into power and then returning to relationships for for which there is no room in which there is no space for us to be powerful. This impacts Jesus so deeply that the scriptures say he was unable to perform miracles. Jesus, in all of his power and glory from the disbelief, from the lack of trust, from the disconnection is is rendered less powerful. He's not able to do any miracles, just lay on hands and heal a few sick people. And this is true also, right? That no matter how stripped of our power we feel, we are powerful beyond measure no matter how unseen we are, even in the midst of folks who want us to be less than we are, we are seen enough to remain powerful beyond our imaginations. And the reason is because even when those human families around us cannot see us, we are ever and always held, seen, loved by our God. Now, family, is supposed to have our backs. Family is supposed to see us when we cannot see ourselves. Family is supposed to look at us in awe and wonder. And we see this, right? It is easy, easier when you're looking at an infant to wonder and awe, to see God in that child, to believe in them. Family, is called to do that for one another. We are called to do that for our families. And yet one of the most difficult places to do that are those intimate spaces from which we come. Jesus knew firsthand what it was like to go home and be unseen, to not be held with the precious adoration of family. But Jesus knew that family of origin was not all there was. Jesus knew that there was more than his hometown, that there was life outside of Nazareth. And Jesus named over and over again his parent in heaven. No prophet is honored in his hometown, but the love of our heavenly parent honors us each moment, sees us, recognizes us each moment, holds, honors, celebrates our power, does not diminish. God in heaven, the spirit coursing through you, delights in the fullness of who you are and never asks you to be less, never scoffs at your beauty. Jesus didn't stop there though, to rest only in the love and adoration of God. Jesus said, I do have kin and I will find them and we will choose one another. Jesus built, forged, chose a family a kinship. Jesus chose and found the disciples, the community of believers, the folks who had been outcast, everyone who had been told the most that they didn't belong, that they had nothing to offer was first on his list saying, I choose you. I see you. And they came along if they saw him too. The family that Jesus built, the first believers, that community, was a gathering of folks who could see the divine in one another, starting with Jesus recognizing the divine in each member of the community, especially those outcast, but reciprocated by each member of the community, especially those outcast, seeing the divine in Jesus, saying, yes, please, count me in. This is my family. I am part of a divine kinship. We are called as believers, as followers of Jesus, to make and choose family, whether our family of origin is part of that or not. And one of the ways we make and choose family is through ritual. When we talk about ritual, we have to remember that rituals are gifts given to us, not required of us. All the rituals of religion will not save us from anything. But every ritual of religion is offered by God and by our ancestors as a path back to the truth, to the memory, to the embodiment of holy love. And today we will be celebrating the ritual of baptism. Baptism is a practice by which we choose one another by which we honor God's choice for us, by which we look at one another in love and make promises. Now, there are many reasons that baptism is powerful. There's imagery of death and new life and resurrection. There's symbolism of water and the Holy Spirit. But one of the most powerful underpinnings of the ritual of baptism is the idea of kin, of family, It's a celebration of the inclusion into the family of God, the recognition that we are called to be kin, to be family to one another. It is the promises we make, and it almost always includes people outside of families of origin saying to one, to kin, we see you. We believe in you. We trust you. We will learn from you. This is the audacity of Jesus's family, Jesus's kin, Jesus's hometown that they're saying, who are you to teach us? We're in charge of you. (laughs) We remember when you were little. Baptism says we remember now that you are little and big. We promise to remember in the future how much awe we held for you when you were little or when you were in this moment or when you were before the community. We promise never to reduce you, but to always hold in awe your capacity and power as it grows. Jesus's hometown could not hold space for how big Jesus had gotten. Baptism is a commitment to say your bigness, Your beauty, your power is celebrated here, now and forever. In baptism, we choose you as God chooses you. We see your magic. We choose to see your magic and your divinity, and we expect you to teach us, genuinely, and not in any flippant patronizing like, oh yes, I I learned more than I taught but in a very deep rooted, we expect God to show up in your life. And yes, we promise to show you everything we know about love and liberation and truth. And we hold room for you to teach us what God is channeling through you to tell the world about life and liberation and love. We honor the wisdom God pours out through us to you and right back into the world through your witness. For your benefit and for all creation We promise not to dismiss you for your origins, whatever they are, but to remember that we are kin, that God is alive in this family and that God is alive in each member of it. Now the beauty of rituals in chosen family spaces is that they are not limited to our families of origin, but open to the whole kinship of God. If your family of origin rejects you Your kin in the family of God never will. And it does not exclude your family of origin either. It does not exclude our call when we happen into family, when we have connections we did not create, we are called then to create and recreate them, to commit to them, to choose them. If we find ourselves in community with one another in ways that we happened into, we can see one another and choose one another over and over again. When we celebrate one member of the body, it is a reminder to celebrate each member of our kin, including ourselves, to recognize the divinity that weaves itself through every body in this body and to say we choose one another over and over again. Jesus was big mad that day in Nazareth. No prophet is honored in his hometown among his relatives or his kin. He says as his brothers, many of them are with him in ministry. (laughs) He says as his mother follows him all the way to the cross. He says, even as after his ascension, his mother and brothers are right there with the disciples in the upper room. His brother James would go on to lead the church in Jerusalem. We are up against a lot trying to honor our families of origin. And this is a call here as well, to honor one another and see one another when it is difficult have an easier time seeing the divinity and the beauty and the power of someone who you are not related to when we have the opportunity to choose one another to have reciprocal honor and love among our connections of origin that is a gift and so we honor that here too we choose the way of Mary Mary All of these hometown folks are saying you are Mary's kid. How often do we hear parents dismiss their own kids? I changed your diapers. Our call is to see one another for our holy power and honor it in full. Now the promise of baptism, our promise is that we will try. But God's promise in baptism is that God will succeed when all of us fail the church our kin have failed us so many of us over and over we have failed our kin over and over and over but God will not fail us God will remember who we are God holds room for our bigness our space and our power and so when we remember who we are, when we remember who each other are, we are participating in a holy and divine kinship. Today we will be celebrating one member of our family. We will be choosing to be faithful to him. We will choose to build family through baptism, but we build family. We choose kinship. We honor one another with every active choice we make to see each other's divinity. In this community, we build kinship. We honor one another. We choose each other through worship together, through shared meals, through prayer, through laughter, through games, through movie nights, through marching in the streets, through showing up to one another's lives, through it all, we come alive and we are seen and we see each other and we say, Holy God, is that my kin? Wow, the power that pours out from you. You are beloved. You are powerful. You are prophetic. You are holy. You are my family. Will you pray with me? Good and holy God, parents in heaven, kin to us all. May you gather us up in your love and your name. May we not reject a single corner of your creation and may we be held in mutuality. God, You tell us that when we are not seen, when we are rejected, we are called to dust, to shake that dust off of our sandals, to brush that dirt off our shoulders. You honor our boundaries. And yet, the longing of your heart is that we all choose one another. May we choose one another wisely and with grace. May we see one another for our fullness. May we pour out our hope to one another and open ourselves to receive back your truth. God, you are good. Thank you for being kin to us. May we be kin to you and to one another, amen.